0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number Store or sleepnumber.com. Alliance
1: supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.
2: It's a new season, it's a new podcast, and it's a new sponsor. Welcome to Examiner Sports League Review. Brought to you by Allianz. So much to get through on an action-packed opening podcast of 2019. In a few moments' time, we'll be hearing from Michael Moynihan, who was in Nolan Park for the clash of Kilkenny and Cork. Then we're heading all the way to Tipperary. James Woodlock was in Semple Stadium on Saturday night for Tipperary's victory over Clare. Turning our attention to football, Tony Lean was in Fitzgerald Stadium, Killarney for us. We'll hear his thoughts on the first game in charge for Peter Keane. Then we're heading up north. Orla Bannon watched the draw between Fermanagh and Cork, while John Fogarty was there for Monaghan's shock victory, some might say, over Dublin. And finally, we'll be hearing from uh, former Galway legend Michael Meehan on their winning start to 2019. No, uh, we'll start off with Nolan Park. Michael Moynhan was there for us yesterday. Uh, Kilkenny, Cork uh, lives up to the hype as usual.
3: Yeah, I suppose so. Um, interesting to see Kilkenny beat the Munster Champions easily without the, the entire spine of their team and their Ballyhale players. So uh, I would say a warning shot from Kilkenny to the rest of the hurling world. People remembering that Limerick only just scraped past him last year. And I would say they will do plenty of damage this year. Do you think
2: this year's league is going to be very different with the lack of promotion, relegation, etc.?
3: I would say this year's National Hurling League will be like a procession of challenge matches because you do need a threat. You need some kind of incentive to managers and to players. And even though Brian Cody put a good face in it, and in fairness, I would say I always approaches every match. With the attitude we want to go out and win and hammer the opposition as much as possible, it was palpable, yesterday. I thought anyway, that it was lacking that top 10 or 15% of nastiness or drive or however you want to describe a really competitive game. And I think that's an unconscious thing. People are just aware that behind it all doesn't really matter. It's okay for me to try and get on the team or to consolidate my place on the team, but as a corporate entity, it doesn't really matter if we lose.
2: Okay, in terms of Cody himself, I was just reading a statistic last week. Twenty years ago in February he made his managerial debut against Cork in the league. Twenty years later he's still there, still as eager, as competitive,
3: as anxious as ever. He's certainly the same man he was twenty years ago. Um it's funny, we, you know, I think Brian Cody probably has a public image um that's probably at odds with him privately, but certainly yesterday, before we got going, he was asking how the football matches went, and he pointed out that Monaghan had beaten Dublin last year in the National Football League, and when we all got up off the floor in shock, um, we um we had a good chat. I, you know... His appetite is obviously a a cliche, but you'd have to say anyone who was faced into 20 years, even allowing for the success, which obviously makes it a lot easier um, to keep going. But um, yeah, I mean, I spoke to John Myler last week and he said he had been at their um, Welsh Cup game and he said Cody looked as ticked off when they lost to Wexford as he would if they lost the championship match. And I, I presume that's the secret of it, maintaining that. Burning enthusiasm. How was John Miler after the game? Um, uh, John John maintains a fairly even keel. You can tell he was disappointed because he probably was looking for certain things from certain players. But I suppose he's too long on the road to kind of uh, you know throw up his hands in despair in January. You know, there's there's a long there's a long year ahead. Cork were missing a lot of players as well, but I think it would be a concern for him that they didn't show better against the Kilkenny team missing. <laughs> Patrick Walsh, Killian Buckley, TJ Reid, and Richie Hogan like the spying of any team, and yet Kilkenny dealt with them fairly easily.
2: Mm, uh, one name that jumped out at me when the teams were announced on uh, Friday night, Michael, Aidan Walsh
3: at full forward. Is there a is there a Kieran Donaghy style play at play here? Yeah, I would say so. I think you know everybody in Cork was very disappointed last year. Obviously, when Cork lost to Limerick, and I think a lot of their... Issues that were raised by people were that Cork can get the ball to stick up front. That they have a lot of similar quick forwards who can you know move at pace. But when it comes to winning 50-50 balls, that they fall down a little bit. And I think that's probably the logic with uh, Declan Dalton at centre forward and Aidan Walsh at full forward. But um, Aidan Walsh got a good point early on and did plenty of work. And Declan Dalton, in fairness, turned Kilkenny players over five times and won possession for Cork. So... They have something to offer, but I'd be wary that on a really hard ground against teams that are really flying that I'm not sure if you could carry the two of them. That maybe one of them is a target man in at full forward. Because if you play the two of them, Cork have to change their entire tactics and the tactics which have won them. Mm-hmm. Two months of title hasn't gone to the brink of an all in a final. Shane Kingston, Alan Cadigan, Dara Fitzgibbon, Luke Mead—very quick, very mobile, interchanging and passing—and I think you might have to blend too many styles of play if you if you went with the two of them.
2: Okay, disappointing for the Cork seniors. A positive though on Saturday, and you mentioned it in your column this uh, Monday morning. Michael, Harty uh, cup and Munster Colleges B semi-final success. So, two Cork teams in the Harty final, two Cork teams in the B final. How big of a deal is it?
3: Um, it would probably be a bigger deal if Christian's defence wasn't anchored by a Waterford player, but that's that's neither here nor there. Oh, look, it's it's interesting in a lot of ways. I mean, the fact that Christians, both, Christian Brothers College, rugby powerhouse in a hearty final, and uh, the fact that Middleton are back and East Cork is obviously a traditional stronghold of Cork hurling. It's it's a good indication for Cork that things are going well and things are improving and there is some benefit to a lot of the work being done at underage level because these are obviously kids between 16 and 18 and same for Roachstone and, and, and Bandon. My only my only issue is that, um, I mean, if you take it in tiers, right? Say Tipperary, the bulk of their team would have come through around 10 years ago, say with those great minor teams, under-21 teams. Clare at the moment, their teams are based on their grade under twenty one teams of about five or six years ago. So you would say maybe are Tip just over the top, are Clare just at their peak, and say are Limerick, who won an under twenty one a couple of years ago and had a lot of hearty success? Are they just approaching their peak? So to me, even though it's a good it's good news for Cork, it does show to me that Cork are still behind in terms of senior success or say, a mature, experienced senior team that's approaching its peak. And you would be thinking that if there were 16-year-olds, say, playing in that hearty final at senior inter-county level, you're probably talking about six years' time before they come through. Okay.
2: Now, you mentioned uh, some really, really interesting points in your piece on Saturday about hurling, the state of hurling. I, I got the vibe off you, Michael, that maybe... Are we getting a bit carried away, putting hurling up on a pedestal at the moment? Uh, should we be a bit cautious?
3: Well, I just thought the last point was worth making, that people are always saying what a terrible spectacle football is. And it's unfair because we're, te- we're talking today, the weather was really bad in a couple of places, particularly um, in Mayo. You know, you can't play any sport in, in those conditions. And I just think there's a kind of a reflexive thing with people who can say, well, there can't be that much wrong with hurling because it doesn't look as bad as football, which is a terrible logic and is also a very dangerous one for hurling people, quote-unquote, to follow. I think it's just unfortunate that Gaelic football is obviously having a bit of a crisis. It's also dominated by one team and hurling's is open. So all your metrics kind of line up for hurling and I just think... Just because something isn't as bad as something else doesn't mean it can't be improved. Just recap though on the key areas that you think that hurling need to just be cautious of, be wary of. Well, I think that's just that that whole notion of comparing with Gaelic football is an overarching thing because it's an easy escape. Whereas I think certainly the spectacle could be improved in terms of hand passing and also these rocks, uh, pardon the expression, which have been a load to come into the game, which should be policed, for me anyway, far more strictly. And I actually think they're more dangerous than hand-passing because it's easily exploited by teams. You know, you literally just get someone to stand on the ball and you kill the other team's momentum and then it comes back to 50-50, which is a big issue. Also, I don't understand why why there isn't more experimentation. And that could go for Gaelic football as well. I mean, I, I, I don't understand, for instance, why this three hand-passes thing was was bin so early, I would actually advocate in Gaelic football that each of these pre season tournaments or, you know, the oh, McKenna Cup, the McGrath Cup, etc., why don't they just trial a different set of rules in each of those for the for the course of that competition, then come back and say, well look this worked here, but this didn't work. And at least we give it a fair decent go. And the same should be done in hurling, that you should always be trying different, you know, whether it's thirteen aside, whether it's giving four points for a goal. You know, you should always be trying different rules. Because if you look at other sports, like in the NBA, for instance, if there's an issue that affects the spectacle, they'll just change the rules and they'll just tell the teams these are the rules and you have to accept them and you'll have to play and you'll have to adapt to it. And that, to me, always speaks to, like in basketball, that willingness to be exper- to experiment with coaching, with tactics, with different things. And in hurling, there's a... You know, there's been a minor development in tactics in the last few years, and to hear some people talk, like, you know, the world is coming to an end. Whereas, if you actually had an openness towards, say, look, why don't we play colleges hurling at 13 a side and see if if that's a better spectacle, if it gives guys more of a chance to express their skills, if the scoring is better, and so on and so forth, and give it a decent go. And don't think, well, just because hurling is not as bad as Gaelic football, that means nothing's wrong with it, because that's palpable nonsense.
2: Shamie Callanan was the star man for Tipperary in their 216 to 111 victory over Clare at Semple Stadium on Saturday night. A little after the game, our Stephen Barry spoke to former Tipperary star James Woodlock, now working with Tip FM.
4: I'm joined here by uh, former Tipperary star James Woodlock after Tipperary's 216 to 111 win over Clare. James, you were looking for an improvement from the Munster League final two weeks ago. I think Tipperary delivered that? Yeah, we did. You know, I said it after
0: that game that I think it was the Monday maybe on the radio, whatever That's my comment and uh, I wasn't overly so, you know, surprised by what happened, Eric disappointed either or either it was the new his bench team was around long enough. And I think today was, you know, the real kick off the Lean season, you know, and you know, it was important we got a good start, especially with only two home games and one of them here tonight and another one coming up in a couple of weeks, keeping you, you know, They're important to win when you have to travel to the likes of Wakesford the Limerick and so on.
4: And the manner of the performance, I suppose, today, how how would you rate that? Yeah, I suppose, look, when you've been around with Liam before, you know what's,
0: what's expected. You know, and it seems to be just the same thing. He's just got back into the saddle again, and he's put on your overalls every day. You go, that's what they're doing, you know. They're working really hard, supporting each other, in the game plan tonight, you know, was absolutely worked out to a T, and um, all the matchups went on really well, you know what I mean? Like, seven Flynn, 10-up, Tony Kelly, and so on. Mm. Worked out really well, and Paulie Meyer dropped back to Sweden. Then just closed out all the space on... Uh, Gilfile, the full forward, and um, you, you know, Claire were really lethargic for me anyway in the first half. Claire was too slow, and Tip were just constantly turning them over. And if we weren't turning them over, uh, they were, you know, delivering in a mediocre ball into a forward line that I'm sure Claire won't be happy with. Paulie was just sweeping them all up, they were popping them right down top of him. And then he, when he was getting the ball instead of playing it slow, he's delivering quick ball in, and
4: Jake Morris. And Seamie Callan were making the runs They were making themselves available and They were getting on the ball And we got the scores from there mm. And your club mate Seamie uh, Callan And he put in a good performance now He was made captain this week So you'll be delighted with that I'm sure Yeah he
0: will be And to get off to a flyer like he did tonight 2-7 you know And uh, caused two penalties as well you know, um, you know Exception he's a leader And last year was a tough year for him With injury and that And he's back You know he's He's leading the ship at full forward He's on the freeze He's the go-to man, you know, and uh, it's up to other lads kind of to come in around him as well. And he'd bring on all the young lads in because he's a selfless player, and, and, and that's what Jamie does best, you know, he'd bring all him with him. And um, he's a man that, you know, he's going to get added attention from here on in. He always mm-hmm. does anyway. But, you know, some players uh, on opposition just flush to him when he gets the ball. It's panicky.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And I read back in uh, 2010 when you were um, out injured that Liam Sheedy asked you to take on the responsibility of having a word with some of the players, having a word with Seamus to build his confidence. Is that the type of leadership you think um, Liam Sheedy will be looking for from Seamus yeah, captain? Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? He's a young lad back then, you know, and now he's whatever, 11,
0: 12 years under the belt and that's what he's going to look for. He looked for, you know, a leader for his team
4: and he's got one in Seamus, mm. no question of it. And in terms of the shape of the team, he was in a two-man forward line with Jake Morris, was that something you recognised from under Shealy before, or no, was that kind of a new set-up? No,
0: that's a new set-up, and for me, it's a new set-up. i, mean, I suppose supposed to give the boys space up front, number one. Number two, with what happened in the Munster League, you know, we weren't going to cough off that amount of space again, mm. and um, look, we haven't probably settled on a full-back just yet, mm. so it's going to take time for him to settle in the team. He has a jigsaw, so he's trying to put it together, try to blend a new with the old, and that's going to take time, we can't, you know, expect for miracles in the first couple of months or maybe even in the first year, we're going to have to give this time and patience for him to bond these players together and it'll be an unbelievable iron machine when he gets going and,
4: and that's going to be a certainty. Hmm. You were involved in the last TIP team to win the league and Liam Sheedy's first year in 2008, do you think he will put a big emphasis on the league?
0: Yeah, it's probably a hard one to call because in TIP last year we suffered after a poor league campaign, then we went into two rounds of club championship. And then straight into a monster championship that just did not go well for us. So I think maybe get the first two or three games out of the way in the league, have a really good run there, and then maybe you know he might think about you know not putting a handbrake on. But I don't think he's going. It's the end all or be all for
4: you know Liam Sheedy mm. or his management team. You know. And this really puts the feel good factor back in the county, having not won a game since the league last year get that win, competitive yeah. win under the belt.
0: Yeah, it does. Look, we have the best supporters in the country and the horses as well. And look, we're all the same, we just want to win, tip. You know what I mean? That's the desire you talk to anyone, anyway. it's just hurling, hurling, hurling. And people, look, it was only the Munster League game clear a couple of weeks ago, but people just, you know, had a bad taste around coming away from that game, you know. Um, but look, I didn't worry that day, manager didn't worry, you just see what happened tonight. That's where we are. That's the standard that we're at. We're still off the standard. There's no question of it. We've, you know, a long, long way to go. The sitting off tonight had a big bearing on the game. You know, it opened up and a lit party absolutely dictate the pace of the game. Um, so, you know, it could have been a different game, to be honest, you know, if they had 15 players to stay on the field for the second half with the win, and I'm sure they were going to bombard the square with ball, but they just couldn't do that then when the sitting off came. And uh, it left us with a spare man and, and, and parties. You know, he's an exceptional player to read the game like that. Mm.
1: Alliance. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues Now let's turn
2: our attention to football Tony Lean was in Fitzgerald Stadium for the clash of Kerry and Tyrone A victory for the Kingdom and uh, what a winning start for new Kerry manager Peter Keane uh, Firstly Tony, was this a result that you saw coming?
5: Tyrone I think were... Um Eleven to ten against Cullum um, before the game. I thought. I must admit. I thought that was a great bet. Uh, I thought, given that Kerry really haven't had any game. I think I calculated yesterday that that was Kerry's first competitive game in 176 days since the August Bank Holiday weekend, uh, the time they beat Kildare, but were knocked out obviously of the All Ireland Championship. This is the first time that anybody has seen Kerry, whether it be pre-season competition or not. And so when you had a new management coming in, and remember, it's not just a new manager, it's a complete new management coming in. When you had so many players unavailable to Peter Keane, um, I really thought Tyrone would bring enough to Killarney, mostly in terms of nouse and experience, to actually see off Kerry yesterday. Now, two things happened. I really was taken aback by how poor Tyrone were, given that they won a McKenna Cup seven days previously. And I was even more taken aback by how in their face and physically uh, intense Kerry were for a team, as I said, that hadn't played a competitive game in almost six months. Just think about that. They hadn't played a competitive game in almost a half a year. It was the start of August Mm -hmm. was the last time Kerry played a competitive game. And so... I know some people would look at the Kerry Tyrone game and obviously you didn't see much of it on um television on Sunday night. It was a very defensively structured game and Tyrone had the ball, Kerry were more than happy to drop 13 players behind the ball. When Kerry had the ball, obviously Tyrone resorted or reverted to kind themselves and they had a lot of players behind the ball. I didn't I really didn't look and I don't think many in the 13,000 people that were there looked at that game from an aesthetic point of view. I really thought it was about curiosity for Kerry. The fact that they got the two league points, Cullum, is a massive bonus for Peter Keane. A massive bonus. Because if they had lost at home to Tyrone, which many, including myself, thought they would, they had Dublin coming up in their next home game and sandwiched between, they had a trip next Sunday to Cavan. And I think a loss against Tyrone would have put a lot of pressure on ...on them to go up to Cavan and win. Now Peter Keane said yesterday after the game... ...was there actually any pressure on us today? I think Peter Keane can say that... ...afterwards when you've won the game... ...I firmly believe that there was an amount of pressure on them... ...and I think the fact that they won in the way they did... ...reflected that. This game on the 27th of January... ...as early as it was in the season... ...was absolutely about winning and getting two points... Style, substance, aesthetics, everybody, everything else for was secondary in this instance. Okay,
2: you mentioned there are a lot of names missing for a variety of reasons. Dr Croakes in the club championship, uh, players injured, players retired. So who were the men that Peter Keane can thank this morning?
5: Well, I thought Tyrone would win the game at 1.30 yesterday and then when we found out that James O'Donoghue wouldn't be starting as well, Mikey Ganey wouldn't be starting. Now the Mikey Ganey one is interesting because in fairness to Peter Keane, he had obviously decided along with his selectors during the week that Dermot O'Connor of Nagale was going to make his inter-county debut yesterday because Mikey Ganey took a full part in the warm-up and came on subsequently and scored a point. The Dermot O'Connor one column is very interesting because within Kerry, um, I put it this way, outside Kerry, over the last two or three years, when people talked about the players that were going to come through and be stellar talents for Kerry. The first one you'll remember was Mark O'Connor from Dingle, who obviously is now in the AFL. The second one was David Clifford. The third one was Sean O'Shea. Within Kerry, there would be an awful lot of people who would also have been putting Dermot O'Connor in that bracket. Mm -hmm. He didn't have the same national profile, obviously, as the other lads. This guy from Tralee, from the Gale Club, a junior club in Tralee, is a serious talent. He played 70 minutes and more, whatever the injury time was, yesterday. He had a few rookie moments, obviously, a couple of mistakes. There was one, actually, in the first half where he got caught in possession and afterwards, because, you know, just in terms of the pace of the game, it's just so different at senior inter-county level. But I was very impressed with him. But the absolute stellar performance on the day for me was Dara Moynihan. I mean, the wing forward. Well, he he was named a corner forward, but he was basically wing forward. This is a young lad from Spa who some people have likened to the new Paul Galvin. Now, by the way, there's been several incarnations of the new Paul Galvin. Michael Burns from Croaks is meant to be the new Paul Galvin as well. And just as an interesting aside, by the way, I was told yesterday that Paul Galvin is getting involved with the Kerry development squads as well. So, you know, the Marco Shays, the Paul Galvins, they're getting involved with these young talents. But Dara and I've been watching for quite a few years, won a couple of All-Ireland colleges with the STEM, um won a couple of All-Irelands with Kerry minors, like but this, how quickly he has graduated to the intensity of senior and the Kerry performance yesterday, up and down all day. He wilted a bit in the second half, but like Dermot O'Connor, Moynihan also, I mean, played the full game, which was staggering in itself. So they're all bonuses. You know, Gavin O'Brien from Strand Road, who, you know, is a is a big, big unit and very, very quick. He got on for a couple of minutes. Killian Spillane got on. They were hoping to Graham Sullivan on. There's another name to watch, by the way. He's a defender from um, Drummond Pierce's. uh, I would say is a really good prospect as a defender. You know, same club as Declan O'Sullivan. So you know, all those. Little things, at column call him to a very good day for Peter Keane, a very good day for his management, a very good day, by the way, for his S&C chief, Jason McGahan, because the fitness of the Kerry side yesterday was a sight.
2: I was just going to ask you about that. Is that part of the new management or is it back to a centre of excellence and the work that's been done in development squads? This argument about yeah. Kerry teams in the last couple of years, fine when you get to minor, but the step up to senior was taking a bit too long for some people.
5: I think it's both Um, I do think obviously having everything based now out of the center of excellence and I was there recently and I mean they have an absolutely outstanding gym facility cost like six figures to actually kit out not a mind set up and they have appointed Jason McGahan as the head of athletic development and I know Jason quite a bit I've actually been involved uh, in a team with Jason when I was manager and he was he was the coach and he is absolutely top drawer. Um, he's a lad from, from our man. He was obviously in with Ray previously. He was then with Kean O'Neill in Kildare. He's already set up sub-units around the county. So he's appointed S&C to, you know, to take care of guys in little hubs like Dingle and Ken mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. He's overseeing the programme yesterday. And what I really liked about, the management and the way they did their work yesterday is everybody had a job to do. Tommy Griffin was out taking up the warm-up, you know, the selector. When the team came out call him after half time, Jason McGahan was waiting there. He already had a pre-ordained routine working with them. You know, when the subs were warming up, there was already one of the S&C lads down in the corner in the dressing room area waiting for them yeah. to do their stuff. So there was none of this like hanging around, doing their own stretches. It looked to be very structured, um, very deliberate. And I don't know how much of an input Jason is had on that already, but I would probably guess quite a substantial one.
2: Very hard to judge on just one game, but defence was the big accolades heel last year for Kerry. Yeah. Anything that you saw there yesterday that, you're saying, yeah, there's a few boxes ticked in oh, terms... Oh, well, of...
5: absolutely. Look, Peter Keane said it afterwards. I mean, the first thing he wants Kerry to be is difficult to beat, difficult to break down, difficult to actually get through. And it would definitely be one of my criticisms of of Eamon Fitzmaurice's management, you know, the fact that Eamon was such a good defender himself. I felt Kerry never quite got... To grips, you know, with a proper defensive structure in terms of making themselves difficult to break down. The one thing I would say, Cullum, there has to be a health warning. Yesterday, there is a big difference mm. between August in Crow Park and the wide expanses and making yourself tight and compact as against Fitzgerald Stadium yesterday. I know Fitzgerald Stadium is a big pitch, but it was you know teeming with rain and it was that type of ball was slippy, so it was a defender's day yesterday.
2: Yes, but equally, you were there that night the bank holiday weekend when they yeah. defeated Kildare, and there was huge questions about just
5: even their style of play, their kick-out strategy, yeah. everything that night. It, it just seemed to be a bit headless that night. Yeah, well, defensively as well, yeah, defensively, you know, they looked very vulnerable that night. Yeah. And realistically, if you remember, it was only when Kildare went down to 14 men, really, that Kerry got a, a hold on the game. You, you, I'm going to give them a pass on that, on the basis that, you know their heads might have been elsewhere events were going on there you know what was happening between Galway and Monaghan and that night actually had a greater True. influence i just think looking at yesterday and 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 you are wary of getting ahead of yourself you know a- about this Kerry because yesterday was really good yesterday the work the work that was being done you know over the last 6 weeks you could see the evidence of it yesterday no Let's see them going up to Brefney Park next weekend and let's see them the Saturday night after in Tralee against Dublin. I, and then they play Galway. I think after three, four games, I think Peter Peen, Peter Keane, excuse me, Donny Buckley, Tommy Griffin, Jason McGahan, the management team, will have a far better sense of where they are for the season ahead.
2: Okay, two other very quick talking points I want you to uh, react to. One, the new rules and two, the new ticket prices. We'll start with the latter, We've been discussing it here in the office, in the newspaper, on radio, television, the the last couple of uh, weeks. The ticket price and everybody saying how much it was going to impact on attendances didn't seem to affect Fitzgerald Stadium on Sunday.
5: No, I mean, there are a number of points to be made on this. Um, I'll only make two. Number one, funny enough, I don't have the same problem with the All-Ireland final prices um, as some people do. Putting it up to 90 quid... Um I know I've bought two tickets for the Ireland England Six Nations game next weekend and they're 115 quid each. No. So for the you know for the absolute blue ribboned event of the GA season, you're paying 90 quid, people will go above and beyond um for an occasion like that. That's my first okay. point. The second point, yes, I think the percentage increases on National League games, you know, are stiff. Um I'm not certain that it's the best conceived plan. Certainly from the GAA, um, but it is for it is for walk ups. That's the one thing I will say. And if you are planning, if like for instance, I was in Killarney early yesterday. I needed to buy a ticket um, for my brother. I walked into the Kerry GAA store down in the Outlet Centre, and they were still available for fifteen quid. Mm-hmm. And that was probably only maybe an hour and a half before the game. So. You know, there obviously are ways around it. I mean, if if the if the fiver is going to be the difference between you going and not going, and of course it's not a fiver because if you're bringing the kids yeah, who are yeah. over sixteen, it's more. There are ways around it. They're going to take heat over it. I know Paul Rose um, was very strong on it um, in our paper on Friday. Almost like that, they're basically, you know, I think that they were almost forsaking the ideologies of of the you know of 1884. I just think, you know, it's one of those ones where if there's enough noise made about it, it will remain on the table. I do believe, though, that there are ways around it. I do feel that fans who are going and who are planning to go can actually still do it in a way that's economically viable. That would be my thought on that. Twelve,
2: thirteen thousand 13,000 people for the first round. They didn't
5: seem to be too worried about the Fiverr yesterday. Okay.
2: second point then very quickly. New rules, of course, have been the big talking point as well for the last couple of weeks. Uh, Did you see anything hugely different in the game of
5: Gaelic football yesterday? I'll tell you, Cullum, if I was the ordinary, if I'm representative uh, of the ordinary G.A. punter, I was actually quite confused yesterday, I have to admit. Um, And I had my press colleagues around me at different stages and we were arguing the toss. For instance, there was one moment um, from a Tyrone kickout where Sean O'Shea caught possession, was tackled as he caught possession, um, and turned around, caught the ball, and put it over the bar. Now, no one was quite sure, A whether that had just been a run-of-play moment, B, whether he'd actually taken the mark and actually just kicked it straight off the bat, or C, because the referee's whistle had blown to indicate that he had got the mark, was that actually a mark, or had he been fouled and he just decided to actually carry on and kick the free? Mm -hmm. You might say to yourself, "Eh, well, that doesn't really matter, ultimately it's a point at the end of the day, but for anybody who has to record these things or anybody who's interested in knowing going forward which one it was... It is slightly confusing because do you see we had the original four or five rules, and then some of those have actually been tweaked in the interim. Um, the sideline kick, for instance, um, the mark inside the forty-five. Now, like, that's the one that's actually I'm scratching my head most about. Um, I didn't actually see the Dublin Monaghan game. I'm led. I know that apparently there was Monaghan worked it really really well. But basically what we're saying, so there is, you know, any pop pass now at all, basically, that's actually caught in the chest inside the 45 is a stop in play. Um, however temporary the stop in play is for the mark, it's a stop in play. I'd like to see that one. I'd like to see how that one fleshes out. Tyrone were caught once or twice yesterday with sideline kicks that were obviously in their own half. Now you have to kick yeah. those forward. They kicked them across the field. The wind actually blew them back and turned them into into kick you know sideline kicks that were going defensively so all that all that I think needs to be ironed out like there wasn't for instance I mean the one obviously that would be the simplest to understand for most people which was the original rule of the guy inside the 20 meter line actually catching a ball there actually wasn't one single mark taken inside the 20 meter line there was a couple of good diagonal balls put into Paul Ganey but he was double teamed ball was knocked away from him and that's probably an indication of what you're going to get in that instance when you have a target man and they're trying to hit him with a diagonal ball. He's probably going to be double teamed and the key basically is just to make sure that you're actually breaking possession away from him. So I would say influence-wise, on the game in Killarney at least, the new rules I would estimate were probably 3 or 4 out of 10.
2: From Fitzgerald Stadium we head to Fermanagh and the clash of... The hosts in Brewster Park against Cork had finished 8 points for mana, 1-5 to Cork. Harsh call denies Cork win is the headline in today's Irish Examiner. Orla Bannon was there for us and I began by asking Orla, was it a case of a, a point gained or a point lost by the Rebels?
6: Well, both managers actually thought that they should have won the game. Cork were leading 4-1 at half time. The first half was just awful stuff, to be honest. Um, Fermanagh took the lead in the third minute from a free and they didn't score again in the whole first half Cork did very well holding the middle ground sort of made Fermanagh sort of attack them down the flanks and they, they weren't really able to get shots away it was awful stuff really Cork did manage to beat the blanket on a few occasions and get forward to kick long range scores actually two of the debutants, Damien Gore took an offensive mark and Owen McSweeney he burst through and scored in the 30th minute and James Lahery also scored from distance so it was 4-1 to Cork at half time looking good at that stage, even though they were a little frustrated with the way Fermanagh had set up, but still looked good for them. Then Fermanagh came out at the start of the second half, scored six of the next seven points after the restart. Just don't know what Roy Galler said to them at half-time. He didn't really have much to say about that afterwards, but they came out flying just a different side maybe had given Cork a little bit too much respect in the first half he felt and and stood off them but they came out scored from play five of their six starting forwards scored from play in that period then the sending off of Cork's Rory Dean that was crucial a second yellow card for him in the 43rd minute changed the game really because he'd been a good outlet for Cork from kickouts had won a lot around the middle so he went off and that really changed the game a bit for grew in strength they went 7-5 up then Cork got a goal really against the run of play you could say a little bit around the hour mark Matthew Taylor scored that so that made it 1-5 to seven, one five to 7 points in favour of Cork and that looked like a big score in a low scoring game it looked like they were going to see it out and then of course there was that uh, contentious equaliser for Fermanagh in the fifth minute of stoppage time
2: What exactly was the controversy?
6: Well, Cork substitute Sean White sort of dithered on the ball. He was caught in possession, turned over by Ryan Jones, who kicked a long raking pass into his brother Connell. He called for the mark along the sideline. It was both managers were along that sideline as well, so everyone had a good idea of what was going on. Connell Jones called for the mark. wasn't clear whether the referee had called for had whist, had blown his whistle at the time, but Connell Jones certainly put his hand up for the mark. And then Kevin O'Donovan, the Cork defender, challenged him. Went to challenge him for that. The referee didn't like it, brought it forward into a scorable uh, distance for Connell Jones, who sent over the, the equaliser in the 75th minute. But here's what Cork manager Ronan McCarthy had to say about that afterwards.
7: Yeah, so look, so I suppose first of all, we give away the free. I um, should have showed a bit more composure and you know, the player on the, on the ball and Sean. And um, then, look, I the, think the mark I'm not too sure what happened there in relation to the rift and called the mark because the player called it. So, as I understand it. <laughs> You know, Kevin was quite entirely challenged for the ball until the ref blows, and then he moved it in for for. To me, look, I, I, look, I, I'm not getting into that. Only, well, was it for
6: or was it for something i said? Or was no, that
7: I think it was. For, I, I was thinking. See, I think if you obstruct the following, he takes the mark. You, it's brought in, but mm-hmm. but the point was he hadn't loaned for it. So yeah, so look, I thought that was particularly harsh on us. But look, that's it. In the end of the day, we took at ourselves and. You know, control we can control, and we'd enough. You know, we got ahead, Um we were through. Obviously, Luke was through there. looking um, was you know, just coming into your time. We should have, we should have put ourselves two up, and we went for goal there. Should have put ourselves two up, and um, would have seen us home. And then obviously, look, we lost the ball there in the last position. But look, we've come up with um, look, a young team, and um, look, they've done well, they've shown well, and in a very like a very difficult environment. Look, it was always going to be a war of attrition, and um, look, we were seven five down. We played most of the second half of fourteen men. Um, And uh, look, we've got a result.
2: And any signs that Cork can, in 2019, find a way out of Division 2?
6: Well, hopefully it'll be third time lucky for Cork trying to get out of Division 2. But you'd have to say this year Division 2 looks even more competitive than last year because the teams that have come down from Division 1... Donegal and Kildare are arguably stronger than the two teams who've gone up in Cavan and Roscommon and now you've also got Armagh and Fermanagh in the division so it does look like a really really tricky one when you think that Cork went down in 2016 on scoring difference it was it was, it was a hard a hard one to, to swallow but it, it is difficult to get out of division two it is, people say it's the most competitive division it certainly looks like that this year and Ronan McCarthy thought, thought so as well
7: It's going to be a very difficult division and uh, look, I suppose what you have is Looking for Menna and Dermah coming up, and obviously formana had a, you know a very good run last year, and looking to build on that. Um, you have Kildare and uh, Donegal coming down, which actually makes the division actually you know, really, really tight and very difficult. And uh, there'll be lots of there'll be lots of finishes like this, in matches tight, and it'll come down to very small margins. And we found that last year, you know, in game six, we were in contention for promotion, lost it. Suddenly, we were in danger of relegation. It, you know, it's very, very tight margins, and it'll be no different this year.
2: Uh, staying up north, the big talking point on the opening weekend of the Alliance League was the victory by Monaghan over Dublin. This was a game watched by our very own John Fogarty.
8: An interesting day in Clonus yesterday, not just for the fact that Dublin lost a very rare uh, league defeat on the road for themselves, um, first defeat on away from Crow Park in four years, their first defeat in four years in a, in a league opener. But um, it was a bad tempered game. Uh, enjoyable in many ways. The second half certainly wasn't as edgy or as niggly as the first half. But, um, yeah, there was, there was there was too much bad temper in uh, it. A lot of stuff that went on. David Coldrick didn't pick up on some of the stuff that was going on. He was hampered by an injury and was replaced by poor cues at halftime. So, you know, he, he has to be given a pass there. There was, there was things there like Jack McCarron looked like he... Put a, a knee in on John Small. Uh, he got a yellow card for that, so nothing will come of that. Unlike the Mayo vs. Common game the, the night previous, where you think there will be repercussions for the the eye gouging incident. But um, as I mentioned in the report, there's just a there was a, a a real edge to the game, and I think that's going to be in, in all of Dublin's games this year because obviously Dublin have always have, for, for the last few years have been the team to. To, to aspire to be but also to beat and uh, I think the same situation is going to happen this year but even more so because you know everyone wants to be the team that takes something off the five in a row uh Guys, well, as much as they're not five in a row yet, but um, they want to get something off them. And Monaghan, now, there is a huge psychological thing for them there in the sense that they've beaten them uh, two years running. Monaghan, there's an argument made by a few people that Monaghan only picked up as many All Stars as they did, that they obviously picked up more All Stars than uh, Tyrone, the All Ireland finalists, because they didn't uh, they were they didn't face Dublin uh, along the way? Uh, I think that's a little bit harsh on Monaghan, but at the same time, um, I, I would imagine Dublin Monaghan would love to get Dublin into Clonus if they could in a Super Eight game and, and, and really test the the, the fiber of their fabric, so to speak. Um, the, the real thing from uh, a real plus from a, a Monaghan side perspective yesterday was the the amount of forward options that they have now. If Jack McCarron turns into this playmaker. Um, and actually puts a, a good championship behind a good league. We've seen him playing very well in the league over the last couple of years. Um, then he, you know, that could be a real uh, boost for him because obviously they have a lot of options inside now with the likes of Garland, um, Conor McCarthu came on. Obviously he has Sigerson Cup at the moment, and then there's uh, uh, Conor McManus and, and this young guy Stephen O'Hanlon who really looked like t- he was to the manner born. Um, in this game, and uh, really exciting. Looking forward to seeing him over the next while. But as much as Dublin lost, um, and ring rustiness would obviously be cited as a as a as a reason. Jim Gavin was more or less mentioning that um, that they're only two weeks back at it Maliki O'Rourke says Monaghan are only back at it since December but uh, some positives for Dublin obviously they only had half of their All-Ireland uh, winning, starting winning team there um, a lot of guys come back Cluxon obviously is the huge one there um, particularly from the kick out there was a difference as, as competent and as promising a goalkeeper as Evan Comerford is he's in a major shadow there with Stephen Cluxon so the sooner he's back for Dublin the better but you know, it just gave, it gave Dublin a taste of what's ahead of them this year and it's going to be gritty uh, you you know the referees are really going to have to get on top of this nasty stuff as much as the cynicism but um, you know th- th- it's exciting all the same
2: Galway were one of the surprise packets of 2018 they've continued that good form into 2019 with a two point victory over Cavan at Pierce Stadium on Sunday it was a game watched by Mike Finnerty
1: but first former Galway legend Michael Meehan. Just watched Galway beat Cavan by 13 points to 11 at Pierce Stadium. So much to talk about, but let's start with the sin bin, Michael, because it was such a big talking point in the second half of today's game because at one stage, Cavan had three players in the sin bin at the one time, while Galway at that uh, juncture had Peter Cook sitting down for 10 minutes also. So we had 14 men Galway playing 12-man Cavan, for uh, at least six or eight minutes and it had a huge bearing on, on how the game panned out
9: yeah it certainly did Mike and I suppose we still have the debate over the black card as to a black card or a yellow card and that might have been the case for some of them here but broadly speaking I think the ref got most of them right uh, I feel it's it's a good it's a good system I, I prefer to the older uh, black card where someone was just replaced um, it does penalize the team and it gives an opportunity, you know, if you seek out a numerical advantage, especially if it's you know greater than one player at any particular time, it gives the, the modern day football team is going to punish you in that instance. Uh, it gives you great opportunity to spread the play wide on a big on the big pitches on the fast pitches that we're going to have. I suppose not till later in the year, particularly, but um, I think it's it's a suitable. It's a suitable punishment. Uh, the only downside is is if and when or if on the referee side, can they make the calls can they make the right calls more often than not? And and today that, that broadly happened. So you're the Cavern manager, Mickey Graham, you see
1: Martin Riley go to the sin bin. Yeah. A couple of minutes later, Killian Brady gets a black card, so he's out, and then a matter of moments later really, Killian Clark follows him. What do you do? You're down to twelve men against Last year's Division One finalists, last year's All Ireland semi-finalists. You're away from home. You must have some sympathy for him because um, I'm guessing for the next eight ten minutes, it's just a matter of hanging on in there.
9: Absolutely, and, and even his frustration was it was it was heightened because Kieran Duggan from Galway picked up a yellow card just before that whole sequence uh, of of yellows and blacks began. He picked up a yellow card. It could maybe as easily have been a black card, and and then Cavan get get punished on the double in quick succession after that. So Mickey was a uh, was a bit annoyed and frustrated, and I could uh, feel from that instance. But yeah, wh- how do you deal with it? It's as much. It mightn't be a, a great thing on it from for the spectators, but you got to slow the game down, and you really got to, I suppose, retreat back and see minimize its damage control. Um, and that's a very difficult thing to do if you are already behind in a game you know the timing of it was was midway and and further on in the second half so cavan the timing couldn't have been worse from their point of view you know you can deal with an, an upset like that maybe earlier in the game you've have, you've have 50 uh, 60 minutes to to come back but when you're for the fa- for the final stages of the match there cavan were back up to 15 for maybe 7 minutes in total maybe including the including the injury time and and they put a press on they got a couple of scores out of it but uh, it was just very very it caught it left them with too much to do um they really needed to try and, our teams needed to try and just, you know, shut down shop. And possibly you can do that when you're down to 14, uh, Mike, but when you go, to, you go to, you know, 13 and 12, it's, it's going to get, it's just, there's too much space. In terms of the game
1: itself, goal will get the win, they wanted. They're up and running ahead of the trip to Crow Park next Saturday night. And yet we hear, with so many frontliners missing at the moment, Declan Kine, Eamon Branigan, Paul Conroy, Damien Comer, one or two others as well, working their way back to fitness, we, we're hearing the Galway panel is stretched and, and that they may not have as good a spring this year as they had last year. But a win is a win. And heading to Dublin... I'm guessing they'll be in really good form. There'll they, be a really positive mindset heading back to training this week.
9: Yeah, for sure. Uh, it w- it's in stark contrast to this day week, uh, leaving Tomb Stadium after a, quite a poor performance against Common in the FBD League final. So I think there was a little bit of management and media management going on about expectation maybe during the week or over the last number of weeks, um, which is all, all part and parcel of, of, of what we've come to expect in the modern game. Um but yeah, Galway. You'd imagine all our semi finalists last year, league finalists. Um, fair enough, they are down key players. But if they're looking to really, you know, maintain their position and improve on their position in the in the pecking order, um, they they need to be able to take games like this and get wins like this. And, and and they did that. And even more so now. It's next weekend. It's a huge game with Dublin, and it's it's just it's a huge performance that they got to get. You know, the, the win will be super. But if they can. If they can get a big, big performance and, and something that they can build on into the next uh, series of, of games as they fall in the league, um, I think Kevin will be very, very happy. He's going to be happy today with a few new lads he introduced and gave considerable game time to Pori Cunningham I thought was, was quite impressive. He got a couple of scores on play and he won a couple of frees himself um, which was a, a good contribution. He's going to have to let the, the curve in, lads. I think I'd imagine a way back to the club scene now for the next few weeks. So and that will be a loss Ian Burke was super today as, as what we expect from him in, in terms of linking up play uh, Liam Silk at the back as well so it's just it's a, it's a chance now to um, to get players you know game time Damien, Mac- Damien Comer is still a little bit away we feel and Paul Conroy I his confidence and his overall you know uh, integration into the group but he, he's had a he's had a good solid start to the year and I think overall you know all we are looking just to get a stronger panel come Come, come May, June Quick word on Cavan just before we finish
1: they're just up from Division 2 for long spells in today's game they, they more than held their own in fact at one stage yeah. early on it, it looked like a, a shock was on the cards but what, what will they have learned from the experience today ahead of next weekend's visit of Kerry to Breffny Park and also what did you learn about them?
9: I have to say for over the first 20-25 minutes they were, they were by far and away the better team on show here today and It was a mix of play It was long and direct ball to a full forward line Or it was a shorter, dinkier passes You know, 20, 30 metre pops Uh, They were confident They were willing to take on on shots And they were going over Um, And I suppose that probably came from uh, They were doing quite well around the middle of the field On their own kickouts And even on Galway's kickouts As the game wore on then Galway got into it Got a bit of a foothold And began to string some passes together They stopped kicking the ball down the throat of the sweeper you know at, at times uh, Barry Fortune was sweeping very early on and he was just picking handy ball that were that were kicked into him um so this it was a tale of i think Galway just uh, adjusted a little bit better they they injected a lot more pace through the middle third of the pitch and they they ran harder lines and caven you know struggled with that and some of the some of the black cards kind of began to fester at that stage whereby there was players getting away for them and there was just a little bit of niggle creeping into the game and that was all happening before early in the second half before you know that the kind of the couple of big decisions were made by the referee that fell against them but I suppose I I think a key learning point for them is they'll know next weekend they need to have 15 players on the pitch for for the duration of the match if at all possible against Kerry um, they'd be hoping to get maybe the likes of Keen Mackey in from the start um, maybe Garage McKiernan has another little while to, to wait out he's a very big loss for them as well even someone like Cueven O'Reilly who who scored you know a good bit in different games last year for them he's, he's not on the scene yet either so they're they're, they're 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 building like anyone else, I suppose. They had two debutants today, um, who did okay. Uh, we had a Pierce Smith. He got a couple of frees from from early on. He was taken off in the end, and uh, they had Connor Ryhill as well. So you know, it's it's a tough situation for Mickey Graham there as well. All told, I don't know how he's fitting all his work into in, into his week uh, between the different teams he's managing. So I think obviously the the they're looking at probably safety in Division One. Kerry and targeting and home games is what teams do, and it's Kerry now on the back of a win. So it uh, on on Kerry on the back of a win. So it's a big ask for them next week, but they've probably a few games earmarked throughout the year at home games and maybe you know one or two key away games. If today was one of them, it didn't work out for them. So they just need to see can they get something on the board as soon as as soon as possible.
2: And that's it for our first podcast of 2019. And our thanks to our new sponsors. Alliance, sponsors of the Alliance Leagues.
1: Alliance. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance
9: Leagues. Planning for your next trip?